Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into the podcast. I just want to take a moment to mention the podcast sponsor, retrogamestore.com.au. Head over there for all your Game Boy refurbish and repair needs. Screens, shells, buttons, and all the bits and pieces. And there's a complete custom build made to order service as well. Also, plenty more retro gaming goodness like video cables, display stand and power supplies, controllers, etc. And you can add the code PIXELPI at checkout to get 10% off your order. Also, take a moment to say if you enjoyed this episode and haven't already, give it a subscribe or follow and a review where you can. And maybe you want to recommend the Pixel Pie podcast to anyone you know that would enjoy it. That'd be really appreciated. So, thanks for listening. And now let's get on with the show. Hi, I'm Matt Tecchio, and this is the Pixel Pie Podcast. G'day, Matt. How you doing, buddy? Good, mate. How are you doing yourself? Oh, I'm doing really well. Doing really well. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on my humble little podcast here and let us get to know you a little bit more. You've got um, you've got a lot of stuff that I would love to talk about. A lot of good console stuff. You know, you've got some Game Boy history, and you also dabble in a bit of uh, Donkey Kong. Um, so yeah, look at this. Yeah, yeah. There's it's a pleasure of- to be here, mate, and uh, appreciate the invite. No, that's all right. That's all right. I heard you on the um, uh, Played Up podcast with uh, Sean and Neil and Mike, and I like to poach the talent where I can. Um, so here you are. Um, now, look, we're, just, we're sort of maybe, I want to sort of start at the beginning of Little Matt, because you've got a lot of console history, a lot of love for just all gaming. Um, you've spent some time in Japan, and I think people always love to hear about that. I certainly love to hear about it, um, if I can sort of live somewhat through other people's experiences because I've had a taste, it helps. Um, but we might sort of knock over the Donkey Kong thing because um, I think as we speak at this moment, um, you currently sit eighth in the world. Um, and I think that's a pretty big deal because there's a lot of people out there. It might surprise some people. There's a lot of people out there having a crack at the old Donkey Kong. It's incredibly challenging. It's always being pushed. And you've been someone who has pushed it. You've been what, as high as sixth in the world. Um, this is up there with like marathon, multi-marathon running and, you know, all this sort of cool stuff. So can you maybe just give us a bit of insight on, on that? Uh, and then we'll kind of, we'll, we'll loop back around to the console stuff. Cause I really want to talk about that for a bit. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, not, not to date when we um, have recorded this podcast, but today I believe is the 40th anniversary of Donkey Kong since yep. it was released. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it's what people tell me anyway. Yep. Um, so when it comes to my history with Donkey Kong, I mean, I played it back when I was a young boy, mm. um, played, it, played it at uh, an arcade and... Um, my, my grandmother actually owned an arcade out oh, in what? Melton in Victoria. You're kidding me? Yeah. No, 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 no joke. But I didn't, I didn't know her very well. Like, you know, right. two parts of family and my family divorced, my mother and father divorced when I was young. Okay. And so my mother's side of the family, I didn't spend much time with. 
So, um, you know, you, you sort of get forced as a young kid. Oh, you got to go and spend some time with the other half of your family every now right. and then. Yeah. And so I, you know, went away for a weekend uh, off to Melton and uh, found out that my grandmother was running an arcade in, in Melton. So I went there and played uh, a lot of games. And when I was at her house, she had a cocktail Donkey Kong uh, <laughs> sitting <laughs> in her house. Best grandmother ever. I know. And I'm thinking to myself, you could have one of these in your house. Is this possible? How? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, I really enjoyed the game as a kid, but, you know, I played it and um, sort of moved on, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, we'll stick to the Donkey Kong. We'll, we'll fast forward. Um, I'm just sitting down to watch, you know, a, a movie or a TV show with my wife one night, maybe five years ago or something actually it wouldn't even be that long would say about three and a half years ago now yeah and um we we watched king of kong yeah um, the, the billy and, Mitchell, you know, steve weeby kind of colossal affair and and battle and so on yeah very entertaining i very mean you know so. you see yeah. the uh cast of characters and, and yeah. when i say characters i think most people in that that uh documentary mockumentary whatever you want to call it uh, yep. that historical artifact are characters you know there's some really interesting people there walter day he's a he's an interesting guy who has yep. a um, historic place in in competitive uh video game playing yeah and I, I i turned to my wife and i said you know what's the, what's this one million points that they're they're going for how hard can it be how, how hard can it be and <laughs> and she you know, just did, did the thing that, that a wife usually does to their husband and just goes, yeah, sure, honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I said, I damn right I could, honey. Um, so, so you know, whenever she tells me I can't do something, it's it's a personal um, oh. affront. So I thought, does, all right, I'm going to give it a shot. Does she often say you can't put the rubbish out or you can't do the dishes? She's pull? tried that one on me, but it seems <laughs> like that doesn't work for some yeah, reason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, so I thought you know look I'll, I'll give the game a shot and and i did and i played it once and i went this game is stupid but this is this is hard you know i said maybe i'll just play pac-man so i picked up pac-man oh, no. instead um so i played that for maybe a month or two and i got pretty good at it right and yeah. the thing i found is that it's really boring right. <laughs> like once you all get it those is, patterns down yeah it's yeah. pattern memorization and it's just repeating that forever, you know? Yeah. And so I'd get, I don't know, half an hour into a game or something, and then I'd make one small turn mistake, you know? Yeah. Like I just wouldn't push the joystick in the right direction fast enough. And and I went, no, I need a break from this. So I'm going to go try that that Donkey Kong game again. Um, so I did that. And um, How were you playing enough, all these games? The, how was I playing them? Just- oh, I was playing them on a... Um, or MAME or on something? a Hankin cocktail. Right. Um, yeah, I had, I, I went and bought one. I had a, <laughs> this, we're going to really sort of loop back around here. So let's just say I really loved video games all my life, right? And yeah. having seen that my grandmother had an arcade machine in the house, yeah. I always said to myself growing up, one day when I get a job, I'm going to have an arcade machine in the house. Beautiful. And, and my arcade love as a teenager and that was all around Street Fighter. Right. So I really wanted a Street Fighter machine or something to play Street Fighter on. So when I got my first job, I saved up some money and I bought a, a Namco Exelina. So it's it's one of those candy cabs. It's a red one. Um, and, and I uh, went down to like Zach's Amusements, which is one of the retailers for arcade machines in Australia. And they're still going strong, apparently. Yeah. And um, I said, hey, can you sell me one of these? And he said, 
of course I can. That's what I'm here for. Yes. So, <laughs> you know, he said, I love arcade machines and I started by going and just buying one, you know. So if you come to me and say you want one, here you go. So I got myself an arcade machine. My wife had an arcade machine, strangely enough, um, hmm. when I met her. Um, what was and the then machine she had? I just had? sort of accumulated. The one that she had? Yeah. It was a it was a Street Fighter Two machine. No there you way! Go. It was like a Leisure and Allied Industries. Um, oh. Yeah, I'm envisaging yeah, your so- wedding photos of like you two holding hands with your cabs either side of you, like up on a grassy knoll or something. <laughs> we did have a very elaborate cake that was Mario Brothers themed. Right. Um, you know, it had uh, uh, Peach and Mario in like Aww. the wedding and tuxedo and at the top and the whole thing around it was different levels of Mario. Like one layer was the underwater scene, oh, one was underground. One Super was... romantic it, and nerdy. Yeah. It, and, and we did get married by um, Dexter the robot and uh, what was his name? <laughs> uh, Greg Evans, the, yeah, the yeah, host yeah. Of, Perfect match. of Perfect Match. Uh, so, it's a bit of yeah, Aussie we're, TV we're history that no one will understand except us oldies we're all too old yes um (laughs) yes so so you know i had a couple of arcade machines and we accumulated a couple more so i was playing it on a cocktail uh originally pac-man i was playing on the switch there was a namco collection right but i was like you can't you know it's it's great to be able to play those things and i love preservation through emulation and all that kind of stuff yeah but i'm also a big fan of why don't I just own the original, you know? Yeah, sure. So I love, I love both and they both have their place. Sure. So um, playing Donkey Kong and I thought I'm going to play this, you know, maybe every day when I come home, one game, mm. you know, or 30 minutes before dinner, you know? Mm. Um, so I'd come home, I'd play the game, I'd go have dinner and I'd go, well, that was great. And then what I noticed is the game started going longer and longer. Mm. I thought, oh, okay, this is, this is interesting. It's a thing when you When you're yeah, when you're um, playing a game for a score, I think, and that you're constantly improving that score, it's a real, mm. uh, it's a real fun experience, mm. right? You see your yeah. improvement; it's a constant thing. As long as you're um, improving, I mean, I have different feelings yeah. because my, my gaming skill in any almost any game is, uh, unless it's kind of some sort of Pokemon RPG, is there's a bell curve where I kind of I pick it up and I kind of go up and I peak. And then I just get much, much worse and totally overthink mm. it. For me, Donkey Kong, third level springs. I've been there a million times and it just kicks me in the nuts. And I've I've cracked that 100K once, but I'm always just short. Um, so as long as you're progressing, yeah. it is great. But when you're not, it's... Uh, it's a difficult one. Um, it's a difficult one. Out of all the games I've ever played, it's probably the hardest. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there have been times where... Um, I have wondered if I'd reached a plateau. Mm. Uh, and what I usually found is that if I just took a couple of days off and I stepped back, mm. I, I would think to myself, hang on, I, I, I think I know how to improve. Right. You know, I think I know. Yeah. And, and it could be this, that I was just watching someone else. Like, you know, maybe you're sitting down, you watch the world's best and you go, yeah. hang on. He does something a little bit different than me. Why? Why is he doing that? And yeah. you and you work it backwards in your mind. And yeah. I mean, I, I literally at some point in my time, I sat down and I would play back the world's number one with yeah. an arcade controller in my hand, and I would play the game in my head at the same time. Right. So I'd make all the movements that I would make. Wow. And I would go, okay, he went right when I went left. Right. Why did he go right? Yeah. And then I would try and Jeez. play that. 
20 seconds like, over. Have you seen that series, Queen's Gambit? Yes. Oh, this is what they do. When she loses a match, she goes back to her room with her chess set and she replays the entire match. And even like when the Russian was winning and she hadn't played him, she'd go over and see the end state and go, hmm, I'm going to play every possibility backwards from that. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, and, and so that that's kind of what I, I did a lot of that for a while. Um, there, mm. Like I've gone through different methods mm. of, of trying to improve mm. and or finding faults with my game. When you start, it's a lot easier just – I just made a habit of recording my games. You know, if I was playing on MAME yeah. or if I was playing on arcade, I would just record it. And then what I would do is I'd go back and I'd watch my deaths. And it's, you yeah. know, just about five seconds worth of clip. And you can yeah. go, well, if I moved left or if I jumped or if I'd done yeah. whatever, yeah. I would have lived. And so you just plug that into your brain and you go, yeah. next time I'm here, this is what I do. And it's right. a different thing to be able to, actually execute on that as opposed to but but i mean at one point i was doing statistics on my own game i, I was doing a statistics class for university yeah right yeah. And, and so they were showing me how to do all these things in analytics programs so wow. i started analyzing my deaths this is how many happen on barrel boards and these levels and right. all that. Oh, and you know man. graph them and 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 stuff and just went well here's where i need to focus on this these is, are the levels these that are, are my, my problems. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and Donkey you know, Kong's that didn't last of... long because I hate numbers. Yeah, <laughs> right. Donkey Kong has a lot of RNG, you know, random number generator. And even though oh, it's yeah. even though it's um there's a lot of games that you can run through and you can pick it, you can jump here, bounce there, and you'll get it. But I guess that was where the difference between Pac-Man and even though Pac-Man has a few free agents, you know, the 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 ghosts are they vary in attitude and, and procedure. But Donkey Kong yep. has that. And it's like you're saying, going back and watching and thinking, you know, finally I paused. As soon as I put my foot over that pixel of the ladder, he gets grumpy or I can yep. come back or, and just staying to, I remember there was an Australian that played for like Manchester United soccer player back in the eighties watching on 60 minutes. And he was like, the only thing on the field that's perfect is the ball. It's round. Everything else is about increasing your chance of success. And yes. Donkey Kong is 100% like that. It is all perfect. The stick's fine. The buttons are fine. You're actually in a pretty good position, but you've got to kind of hedge it, get yourself in a position where you have a few options to get out. Yeah. And when I watch you guys do it, I went to that Kong off a couple of years ago. These little weird double jumps off walls and this and that and the other and boink, boink. And there's a lot of twitch reflex stuff going on, mm. but you had to be in it to bloody win it. And um, oh, I looked back recently. I recently went back and watched my first million point game and I was just disgusted at how badly I was playing, <laughs> oh, you know, geez. like it's Such like you learn jump. to play the game. Yeah. yeah it, literally I'm going, what an idiot. Like, oh, what was man. I thinking? Um, it's like you learn to play the game five or six times over. I think, you know, yeah. uh, I think you can to a point um, going back to what you said about Pac-Man and patterns, you can give people a, uh, let me say that again. You give people a blueprint for, how to Success. run the boards and yeah. how to get to the end. And I've done that. I've, I've made videos and I've given them to people. Some yeah. people in our community here, um, there's a guy who's exceptionally good at Rygar and his name's uh, Jeff. And there's another guy who um, got 1 billion points at Nibbler, Michael. And um, yeah. I gave them videos and I said, if you just follow these rules, you can get a kill screen. Yeah. And I watched them go from zero points to, you know, 500, 600 points in maybe two months. 000. 
Yeah, yeah. Not 600 yeah. points, but yeah, 600,000. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, good point. Um, and if you follow these blueprints and you stand in the right spots and you yeah. run the boards exactly yeah. as I say, you're going to get yourself to the end, but you're not yeah. going to get a great understanding of yeah. all the nuance to it, right? And, and your and by technique. The point you and, get, yeah. yeah. And by the point you get to where I'm at now, and there are people better than me, um, only, there is only seven nonsense though. There's, I only, know. there's only seven people better than you in the whole world. Well, hopefully by the time people listen to this podcast, I'll be at fifth place because oh, I've good. come very close in the last two weeks, multiple times. What's, so, what's the spread of points? Like what's the highest and where are you sitting? And would you say, yep. is it like when you watch, say two athletes, you know, I watch a lot of mountain biking and there's the two seconds and the top five is three seconds across them. How close mm. is that top 10? And, and what are the numbers? The top three players are in a league of their own at the moment. Right. Um, so so the way I look at it is if you go back to all the, you know, what's the word? The the stature that they, or the pedestal that they put 1 million points upon a couple of years ago, right? Are talking like 5 or 10 or 20 years? or Well, we'll say, okay, if we go back to 2012, so that's almost 10 years ago, yeah. right? The world record stood at 1.138 million points so we'll just say 1.1 right yeah yeah. um that was an amazing score Mm. and that score stood inside the top 10 until this year until Mm. i knocked it out Um, (laughs) and yeah when when billy mitchell and steve got 1 million points it was a big deal right yeah but now there are almost 50 people with a million points so it, it becomes a a less um, so prestigious goal, I guess. Prestigious, it's, thank you. Yeah, this prestigious thing. So, if you looked at what a million was then, yeah. you'd say 1.1 million was that now, right? So, yeah. the best of the best players are getting 1.1 million. Now, the difference between that 1.1 and that 1.38 is massive, right? It is huge, right? And I know it doesn't sound like right, it's, it's a very small amount of points. But that point there is like a wall that people just don't pass. Yeah. Once you pass that wall, you pretty much end up at 1.2. So I'm, I'm at the point now where I, I, can, I can get a 1.2. I just haven't gotten it, right? right. And that 1.2 is, is top tier. That is, you know, top five players, right? Only, only four players, I think, have ever gotten 1.2. Uh, maybe five now. I don't know. So it's just because the game either- really, really ramps up. Is there... Is it more about the it's game's be- ramps or is it more about the fatigue of having got there and then being able to sort of no. go that last round? It, whenever I asked one of those top players what the difference was, they'd really struggle to explain it to me. Mm. Uh, the, the best that they could do would be saying something along the lines of, it's the ability to find the points mm. everywhere. Mm. Um, and, and it is because you have a finite end level. Mm, mm. And only so many seconds to get yeah, there, yeah, right? Yeah. So it is literally forcing the game to provide you maximum points. So there's a barrel on one side, there's a barrel somewhere else. Mm. The entire time I may be at the bottom of the board, but I'm watching these eight barrels coming down and I'm trying to bring them all together and like group yeah, them. Yeah. So that when I get to them, I get. 500 points instead of 100 yeah, points, yeah. you know, or 300 points. For people and you're that, constantly for people that, doing that. 
Yeah, for people that don't know, and I have done this, and it is a sheer joy, at a certain point, you can steer the barrels. So I will explain it as a dimwit, because then anybody that doesn't know what it means will understand it. I'm at the bottom of the screen. After a couple of levels, you're able to control the barrels. I'm at the bottom of the screen. As the barrel comes towards the ladder, it's coming from left to right. As I push towards that ladder, no matter what um, level I'm on, the barrel is going to come down that ladder and I can start collecting them together. And A, I know where they are. They're not all over the show. And B, I can maximize my points. And I'm going to assume that is imperative in what you guys are doing. It is. That's that's really important, maximizing how many things you hit with the hammer at the bottom and at yep. the top yep. and when to get them so that you can hopefully get some of the Firefoxes, which are the enemies within the level that move around, yep. uh, hit those at the same time. It, there, there are a lot of uh, what they call point pressing moments yeah, yeah, in the yeah, game. Yeah. And, you know, when you start playing the game, your jo- uh, job is just to get to the end of it. Yeah. Eventually, you get to the end of it. You go, oh, well, now I want some more points. Yeah. And as you get better and better, your desperation for those points yeah. and your frustration at willing those points into happening. Yeah. So like you said, when you get to a certain point, it becomes very probable that you can steer those barrels, right? Three yeah. and four chance. Yeah. Yeah. At the start of the game, it's very low chance. But from the moment you put the coin in and you press the button, you're trying to steer everything, right? Yeah. And sometimes you'll try and steer something and it won't steer. Or sometimes you won't want it to steer yep. and come down a ladder and it will just come down a ladder. Yeah. And so you'll set up these elaborate things and they'll go wrong. And then it'll go wrong once, twice, three times in a row. Mm. And in your brain, all you're thinking is, shit, I shit, just shit, lost shit, points. Shit. <laughs> yeah, come on, come on. What are you yeah, doing? Yeah. I, oh, and, come on. I worked really hard for that and yeah. it didn't work out. And like you said, talking to those guys for, that yeah. break that 1.1, this is the difference. They were able to keep it together and things fell in their favour and they found the points. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's so much randomness to it, right? If you think about yeah. the top two records in the world, there is 100 points difference. Man, that's bonkers. Which is eh? literally a jump of a barrel. Like yep. anything you can do, you can't get less than 100 points. Yep. So 117 levels full of random happenstance. Yeah, it happens. And at the yeah. end of it, and at the end of it, they come up with one point difference. That's insane. That is how far this game has been pushed by these legends who are so good at it. Yeah. It, it To me, it is the chess of of arcade games like yeah. you said you know harkening back to uh the queen's gambit right yeah there are plenty of arcade games out there that have been completely broken i hear that you can get max score on Karnov on the first level right right um you can break apart these games but a game like donkey kong super hard 40 yeah. years later we're still trying to push it mm, i would challenge anybody that thinks that we're talking rubbish to spend 20 minutes and watch yourself improve because if your goal is to be better at it and like mm-hmm. you said and that was the advice i got coming away from that kong off i've got a cab at home which just runs on a raspberry pi i got some nice sticks in it so it, it emulates in some way a uh, an actual cab one thing i found about i don't kill cabbies it's a bit short and um i find i gotta kind of like stoop over it or i've got to do like this weird you like need a stool karate but <laughs> you do need a stool uh, my cab at home is a bit taller um but if your goal is to just get better, you just literally play the game for 20 minutes, half an hour, and just try and complete the boards. 
Yeah. And, and, you and I'm will... pretty sure someone said that games are meant to be fun, right? That's games exactly are meant right. to be played for There's fun. That too. And that at too. some point, if it stops becoming fun and you're not doing it for a reason, like a high score, stop playing it. Because yeah. I've had points where, you know, six months without getting a better score. And that's playing it three to four hours a day, every oh, day at, at like midnight. You know, you're playing it at 2 a.m. in the morning and you're going, I've got to go to work later. Why am I doing this? And you're not <laughs> yeah. improving your score. Yeah. And, and you literally, it, it can wear you down and you just keep asking yourself, you go, well, do you want this or not? You know, yeah. do you want to, do you want to be ordinary or do you want to, you know, for lack of a better word, be or extraordinary? Do you want to push world. it? Yeah. yeah. I watched and, a few- and you go, well, I better. Yeah, you, you do need to. I watched a few of your streams after Don- after Kong off, and um, it was it was clear, like from watching you there and all the other guys there, um, that this is something that I don't think I can achieve. I know I'm I'm 48. I don't have the patience, the persistence. I don't have the twitch skills because at the end of the day, you will need some. You can't just outthink this game. Um, nah, nah, Donkey Kong is not a twitch game, mate. I'll tell you that. I can but- see what's happening in that game six seconds before it happens but that's the point <laughs> if you don't have this knowledge then just relying on hand speed to react because just when you bounce from something he throws a rando and things like that and if you're relying on twitch you're not going to nail it but watching your streams and watching you know there's times i just put it on here playing with my printer or you know fiddling around some other stuff and i just run your stream on my other laptop and to hear you swear and think what's going on, and you've only got twenty thousand for it, and you're like, "That's it, I'm out of here." Oh, one more. I'm uh, like, "My so bad behavior." Yes, human, I, I, I apologize for my bad behavior. No, this is this is what people need to see. You can't just watch a mockumentary and think I'm doing it. Not everybody can do that, Matt. People need to see the real work that goes into it and understand that if you want it, there is nothing in this world that is achievable and awesome without giving it till midnight runs. And um, and like mm. you said, if you're playing till midnight and it's starting to shit you off, play something else. Um, I took long service leave, mate, and I played that game for oh. my entire long service leave, trying to get 1.1 million points. Yeah, I think. And I got it on the last day before I went back to work. Actually, I got it on the morning, the Monday morning at 3 a.m. Right. And then I rocked up for work <laughs> back from oh my, my long gosh. service leave. How was your break? <laughs> Exhausting. It, it was, and my wife was like, why are you doing this with your leave? Like, uh, yeah. Remember <laughs> us? Oh, man, that's yeah. commitment. I was during COVID, so, you know, it worked yeah. out well. But- yeah, I guess. You were, yeah, you were supposed to be at home anyway, so you're doing everybody, you're keeping the place safe. Um, look, mm. that's, that's amazing. Um, but I guess this all had to start somewhere. Uh, now, from what I understand, you have a lot of consoles, you have a lot of different, a lot of love for different gaming. You just... Uh, a gamer at heart you've spent some time in japan and you're a dad and a husband and i mean a lot of people would identify with everything i've just said in one way or another if not multiple do you want to sort of maybe let's walk it back a bit uh, to like little matt and where all this sort of started and we can kind of yeah we can just sort of hit you know i'll just nudge him we'll hit spots along the way where did where did little yeah, matt sure. become um what eventually a donkey kong addict um, Donkey Kong, or you want to start with video games? No, but from Donkey the beginning. Kong, yeah, back from the beginning. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. How did we end up? I was going to say. Um, so, so I remember when my when my parents were still together. Um, I was very young; would have been about two, maybe three. You can remember and, two or three. Um, yeah, I actually have. I have a really good memory. There's something. Mm. 
I don't really talk about it, but I have an exceptionally good long-term memory. Right. My short-term memory is garbage, right. but my long-term memory is great. And I remember being at home one day and my dad and my mom come into the room and they go, hey, we've got, we got this thing. We've got to hook it up to the TV. And it was, I couldn't tell you what the name of the unit was or whatever. Mm -hmm. but it was basically a Pong machine. You yeah. know, it's, yeah. it had all these little um, switches on it that you could move up and down between soccer and tennis yeah. and all yeah. these things. But at the end of the day, it was all just Pong, you know? Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, I remember they hooked it up and my sister was there. She was a little bit older than me and, and we're playing it and we're going, this is, this is fantastic. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and then what happened later on is um, my mother brought home an Atari 2600. Mm -hmm. Now she never touched it, but she, she wanted it and she brought it home. Fair enough. And I gravitated towards it, mm. you know, space invaders. Mm. And um, there's a game called firefighter. I remember that one really well. Cause it was one mm. of the better looking games, mm. hero pitfall, things mm. like that. And I would just, as a kid, when I wasn't, well, I guess I wasn't even at school age at that point, I would just, spend my time playing it so don't ask me what my parents were doing <laughs> but <laughs> but i was sitting in front of the tv um just playing the bejesus out of this atari 2600 right yeah. any game that i could get my hands on um and that that lasted me a little while but then my parents broke up and i went and lived with my father my mother took the atari 2600 and right. vanished yeah. and um i was kind of video gameless for a very brief period of time but uh, i went over to a friend's house one day and he had a commodore 64 yeah uh and and i remember going wow this is really interesting i like mm -hmm. this and mm -hmm. you've got some cool games you know i went home and said hey dad how about we get a commodore 64 and for some reason he went are you going to use it all right if you're going to use it i'll get it for you because i'd like you to learn how to type and awesome. stuff like that you know yeah awesome um so i got a commodore 64 and, um, you know, I, I remember playing a couple of games there and, you know, I, I'm sure I won't get arrested for it in 2021, but video games were very easy to pirate back in uh, those yeah, days. Yeah, you know? yeah. Get a double cassette player yeah. or something like that and, yeah. and off I mean, you go. And I, I often wonder how like that kind of um, home PC market like in Europe survived because everybody you talked to was like, it was just, you put all your games from a boot sale and everybody was just copying mm -hmm. stuff. And it's like, and like, I don't think people quite realize that, you know, when there was the big crash, like when Atari went down and there was the, then the revival, Europe didn't experience it the same with the home computer no. market, the, the, the speckies and the Amstrad and the Commodores and that. Mm -hmm. They just kind of kept on trucking and made, they punched out. It's a bit like that's the sort of like the, the Hong Kong movies in the seventies. Like there was one every three weeks. They just kept putting games yeah. out and there was enough to go around. It's astounding. Yeah, there was like a deluge of just titles constantly coming yeah, out. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I remember as a kid, um, this would be, be a little bit older, but I would go down to the news agents, you know, and you'd have your Zap 64 magazines yeah. or whatever magazines of the yeah. time. And they'd have a tape on the front of them. Yeah. You'd bring her home, you'd plug yeah. the tape into the yeah. C64 and you'd see what kind of shareware-y kind of games there yeah, were. Yeah, so good, eh? And, it was just, it was just a, it was a marvelous time. And I remember, you know, going to the stores, you know, you go to Kmart back in the day when they were a reasonable retailer and they uh, had a computer section and, yep. you know, you'd, you'd buy a game there, you'd bring it home and you'd play Wonder Boy or you'd play whatever game was coming out. There was just so many to choose from. Mm. And 
I spent way too much time playing that Commodore 64, mm. way too much time. Mm. And then from, from there, I got a NES uh, for Christmas one day. My birthday is really close to Christmas. Uh, for anyone who wants to stalk my, you know, personal okay. information. Yeah, send me, um, send me It's really things. close to Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I got a... Um, the big pack, the big nest with the with the robot in it, which was useless, you know. Robin, but it came, yeah, yeah. And probably the, but it um, came the, with the zapper. Yeah, yeah, the shooter and stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So Dark Hunt and uh, Mario Brothers, and I really remember loving Mario Brothers. You know, yeah. it was like an adventure. You're going left to right, and the levels keep going, and the graphics were great for the time. And then, you know, Mario Two, Mario Three, Mega Man, uh, mm. Ninja Gaiden, um, Gaiden, Gaiden, Ninja something. Yeah, um, that really bloody you know, hard one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the really the really hard one. Yeah. And I remember like I finished all those games. I finished Battletoads. I finished wow. you know all these games as a kid. I reckon I was a better player back then than I am now. Yeah. Um I, well it's I mean the time's limit the time's not as limited as it is and you, your head's just yeah. just you're focused and stuff. Man, talking about all that stuff with all those like classic tough platformers, like it's no wonder that Donkey Kong became a thing for you. Because you were kind of ah. like you were training before you even knew what you were training for. At least, you know, like you're a dad, I'm, I'm a dad, and you watch your children and you see the little highways slowly get built and the way that your children yep. start to d- develop and their sense of humours and stuff. And you're like, my daughter is like probably most kids and it just she'll just sit there and draw for an hour or two and put something on the TV, like my, my, I don't know if I should say this, but my 10 year old will watch like big bang theory. And, you know, we, we watch the office and, and thing, things like that, you know, Brooklyn nine, nine, but she would just sit there and do it. And you just don't know that down the road, this is a foundation yeah. that's being laid for something that may not be specifically artistic, but a freedom to think. Um, yeah. It's, it's the building blocks of, of where it goes in the future. And there's no doubt in my mind that those years of destroying Ninja Gaiden prepared you for the Donkey Kong Wars. Yeah, there's there's two things I have going in my favour. One is I'm a firm believer that I should be able to do anything, you know? Yep. Like we're all, we're all born with a blank slate, yep. right? You know, if one person goes and becomes an architect and the other person goes and becomes an artist, right? Yep. It's, the, it's the parts that they've chosen because of whatever reason, whether it be societal or something built into them, you know, into their DNA. But, but, you know, we, we all have things that we're better at than other things, you know, we're all um, gifted in certain ways, but, but you should be able, if you apply yourself to something hard enough and long enough, should be able to accomplish it. And I believe that. And the other thing I have going in my favor is I'm stubborn. Right. Like, like my gift is how stubborn I am. And it's, you know, yeah, uh, it's a blessing and a curse, but I just don't give in. Like, I just, awesome. I refuse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, playing all those games as a kid, I really enjoyed going into those worlds. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I was a very imaginative kid, right? A bit of a dreamer. Um, you know, so I wasn't interested in what am I going to do as a career when I get older or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. am I applying myself at school or anything like that? Now I'm like, I just want to play these games and have fun. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, this week I saved the world in Dragon Quest. Or, yeah, we you know, did. We I, did. I saved the princess and killed all the ninjas and all this kind of stuff. And it was a great escape. Yeah. And I used to read a lot. I used to watch a lot of movies. Um, still do most of that except for the reading. Uh, got lazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> Me too. There's not enough time. There's I've got audio books. Why watch. should I read? I can I can do and do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we've got podcasts now anyway, and they're yeah, infinitely right. more rewarding. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, from the nest, there was like, well, I can see that there's another side of the world that I'm not in, so I need to get like my, a master system or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So you go and get a master system. And then they release a Super Nintendo and a Genesis mm-hmm. or a Mega Drive. And mm-hmm. you just start accumulating all these things because I, I don't want to miss out. And it's like you hear people nowadays, you read forums and stuff like that, and people like, oh, Xbox sucks or PlayStation sucks. And I'm like, yep. why can't we just enjoy everything? Guys? Yeah, that's like, right. That's I right. realize, you know, we may not be able to afford everything or whatever, but it doesn't make one thing less valid or less entertaining yeah. and worthy than another. It's a buffet. So fanboyism sucks. <laughs> it's, it's a buffet. Just have a taste. You never know. You might like it. Yeah, yeah. It's, mm. it's not like someone's trying to feed you uh, poison. No, it's like someone right. saying, hey, check out, you know, what does it matter whether I play Resistance or Halo? You know, yeah. play both. I don't know. Yeah. See what you like. And the annoying part is often you weren't even talking to them. They decided to interject in your conversation and, and tell you. It's like, cool, mate. I'm just going to walk over yeah. here now. Cool um, story, bro. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. So at what point did you start, um, like, I guess, uh, collecting, I guess? I mean, are you the sort of person that everything you bought was to play? And then at some point you became an adult. You're like, now I just want to have things because of the nostalgia and move through that part of it. When did that sort of happen? So I think um, originally I just bought things to play them, right? And then eventually I ended up with, um, and this is a good thing, right? I ended up with a lot of disposable income uh, through work, right? Right. Single guy and... uh, had some money coming in and it was like, well, every week now I'm just going to buy a new game and play a yeah, new yeah, game or two yeah, games yeah. or something yeah. like that. Right. It's, it's a great uh, position to be in. Yeah. Um, so I just started accumulating things and, you know, some things had more of a sentimental value mm. than others. So, you know, there were game series that are series. There were games and series that I enjoyed more than others, right. Over mm. time. So, you know, as, as you get older, you've played more Zelda games or you've played more Mario games or yeah. you've played all, all of these games from a particular series, Final Fantasy or whatever. Mm. So they, those, those franchises become a little bit stronger to you. So you start thinking, well, I don't need a life-size Link statue, but maybe I'll buy it because it's on eBay. <laughs> did you buy a life-size Link statue? I, I did at one point in my life. I don't you have, still it have it anymore. Oh man, that's no, bonkers. no. I got I sold it to a lady who got it apparently as a what they call the push present. I didn't realize this thing existed, but apparently when you have a baby, you can ask for a push present in certain circumstances. Oh. So her husband bought it for her to put in their library. Do, do you have any photos <laughs> on your Instagram of it? No, but I do have photos of it still. Um, You need to pop those up. That's crazy. If you just go to Google, I think they created eight of them worldwide. If if you just go to Google and you type in Twilight Princess life-size link, you'll find a picture of it. It was made of fiberglass. And basically, it was a prize here in Australia Okay. for for one of the first people who purchased Twilight Princess when it launched. Man. Uh, and and they won the statue, and I believe there was one of them actually in the Nintendo World Store. Right. Uh, so I think they were created in Germany, and yeah, fiberglass Link. He was taller than me, um, and I had one for a brief period of time. And I remember it just sat in a you know room in my house, and yeah, at some point I was like, 
nope, I, I really got to make a lifestyle choice here. Do I really need this? <laughs> uh, like, like you know, should I should I join some convention and wear Klingon uniforms or something? Or yeah, should yeah, I just uh, should I just become a normal human being? And I yeah. went, oh, I think I'll be a normal human being. Um, so I got rid of that. And um, yeah, so things like that, collectibles, you know, I, I would buy, like I've got some strange things, like I've got a prototype of uh, Contra 3 laying around somewhere. Right. So, you know, when when Contra was brought to the European regions, they turned them into robots. Probotector. Uh, and they called and they, them Probotector, yeah. yeah. So I've got, a, I've got a PAL version of Contra that, I think it's PAL, see, I'm very confused now, a PAL version of Contra that is actually Contra, not Probotector. Right. Um, I have no idea how that got out into the market, but you can tell it was a testing one. Right. My wife tells me that they would often make a limited run of prototypes um, yep. and give them to people working at Nintendo to test and play and market yep. test, you know? Yep. Yep. Uh, so I'm assuming that's what it is because on the back of it, it had a sticker saying Ian's version or something. Oh, that's so, crazy. <laughs> so it- Ian, whoever you are, Yeah, that thanks. Contra thing is interesting because I've got, uh, I think maybe on on Mega Drive, because I run mostly Everdrives. Um, mm-hmm. So I've got like, on that, I've got like Contra, so the, like for the West, uh, Contra from Japan and then Probotector. But then I've also got like a, because when they went from like Japan to America, they all like to the West, they they kind of took away some of the health, but didn't make it quite as hard or something like that, dialed mm. it back. But then I've got a ROM on that Everdrive, which is, the original Japanese version, so it's kind of the way it should be, but just English patched. Yeah. That's probably like the most purest way to play the original version without having to speak Japanese. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's probably a similar sort of situation, but on a legit cart. Holy cow. Yeah. So, um, you know, little things like that, random stuff, you know, a couple of, you know, unwritten GD-ROM discs for the Dreamcast, you know, with right. nothing on them. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can probably still buy, buy those. They probably produced a million and never used them. Mm. But, yeah, so I, I would collect things that I thought were interesting, interesting mm. pieces that I may want mm. in my house. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to think just like, off the top of my head. Like that's where coming from. Right I mean, like mid last year I saw for sale on Gumtree, pretty cheap like around 40 bucks was um a what to be what seemed to be a pretty good condition um et for atari 2600 and i was like i don't own a 2600 it might be a console i'll pick up if i see at a garage sale or something cheap Mm. enough and i'm like yeah i'll pick it up because people are asking so well over 200 bucks for one which is probably fair it's probably fair but i don't have the space and stuff but i was like and regardless of what people want to believe about did et kill consoles you can go either way. I think there's a lot more to it than that. Um, yeah. It still, to me, is one of those things that I would just like to have because a whole bunch of them got buried in a hole for whatever reason, which kind of elevates them to this kind of That's like history. Yeah. holy talisman of like retro gaming. Um, so I understand exactly where you're coming from by just having things because they're kind of this little point in time. And I've created a bit of a backlog for myself. For example, you know, I own a copy of... Um, Panzer Dragoon Saga, which apparently oh, goes beautiful. for a fair bit of money mm. nowadays, right? Yeah. I actually haven't played it, but it's on my list of things to do when I retire. Yeah, that's fine. That's <laughs> um, fine. You so know, that's so, on so Dreamcast? You, you uh, no, that was for the Sat- Saturn. I yeah, think it was for the maybe. Saturn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's oh, one of the right, long sorry. boxes, so I think Saturn. it's a Saturn. Yeah, Saturn. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I have a Saturn um, and a whole bunch of, you know, back when the Saturn had the best versions of Street Fighter Alpha 2 and 3 and whatnot, I, you know, bought those. And, and you know, nowadays, you just buy an FPGA and play those Capcom arcade games perfectly. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, times change and, and games become either more accessible or less accessible. And, and I really do believe in preservation of video games where, by whatever means necessary. Yeah, I would yeah. prefer the companies preserve them and allow yeah. you to continue to play them. But if you think about how many games are made nowadays oh. and how much DLC yeah. and all these bits and pieces, like yeah. I haven't pirated a game in 20 years, right? Yeah. Um, like I said, when I was a little kid, sure, you know, I didn't know the ethics of it all or no, whatever. No, no. Right? Well, this is free? Oh, yeah. Book me yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Great. Yeah. Um, but I, I honestly believe you love something, you should support it. You should purchase it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a crazy person. I've purchased certain games multiple times for whatever re-releases and whatnot because yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a crazy person. But, but I do believe <laughs> that preservation is really important because you ask me, you know, how did I come to play these games uh, today? And I say to you, well, it's because I had a NES and I played Mario Brothers, right? But some other person may answer with, I really enjoyed that because I enjoyed playing, you know, Kaze no something or other that was a very limited release game that, you know, Mm. not many people got to play. And if if that game is important to someone when they're 12, Mm. I feel like they should have the opportunity to go back and play mm. that when they're 40 yeah. or they should be able to say to their partner or their friends, Hey, check this game out. It's, it's got something really interesting about it, you know? Yeah. Or you sit with your children. Like it is, even though I didn't have a retro gaming kind of, or like a gaming childhood, it is still great to sit with my daughter. And like when we went into lockdown here and I dragged the big Trinitron out, and we played Super Mario. And to see mm-hmm. my daughter and my wife, this my, my wife blows me away because, yeah, look at that guy. My wife blows me away because every now and then I'll put something on and she'll be like, oh, yeah. And she can just like crush these like Super Mario levels. When I first built my cab, um, she's like, have you got Wonder Boy? And I'm like, you mean like the dude in the skateboard? And I was aware of it. And she goes, yeah. I said, I think so. And she gets on just like 400K. Just. Yep. And I was like, um, what just happened? And she goes, oh, well, my wife grew up in the roller skating scene. And at like all the, uh, at the links or the, the rinks was like Wonder Boy. And yep. she still had it there from way back. And I was just, when I see that happen and she's like, "Wow, that was so good. I mean, she's you know, mid 30s <laughs> and gorgeous. And I'm like, it's so good to just see her go back to that childhood. And it's beautiful. It's for like beautiful. two weeks, she was like, can you turn it on for me? I want to, I want to, you know, and we just watched Neil Cairns had, had got the world record and we were doing stuff with one up here and that was, that was the game of the month. And, but that's the prime situation where you see someone happy from preservation without that preservation, without those, that emulation, that ROM, that, per, mm-hmm. that, that experience becomes a figment of their imagination and, and memory, you know, I exactly. agree. And I mean, it's easier with some things like, um, I remember going back to what we were saying before, you know, I, I got a, I got a SNES and I got a mega drive and then I made sure I got myself a new computer, you know, I got a two, eight, six, and then a three, eight, six and a four, eight, six. And it's easier to go back and play doom or something like that on a PC. Cause yeah. you know, it just works still. 
it's yeah. amazing. You yeah. know, kudos to to the brilliant people either at Microsoft or whoever is, you know, putting out these operating systems that you can still play these games from 25, 30 years ago, you know? Mm. If I wanted to play Jazz Jack Rabbit or something, mm. there's services to, that I can pay to do that and, mm. you know, whether it be Steam or good old games or whatever, you know? Mm. Yeah. Uh, but, but the same can't be said for some of these more esoteric games or companies that went out of business, you know? Mm. Um, and, and that's kind of sad. But I think at some point, again, going back to talking about collecting games, um, by the end of the 360, if you're buying two games a week or, or whatever, I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of 360 games. Right. And I had to look at it at one point because I had a whole bookshelf of them. Yeah. And I thought to myself, how many of these mean anything to me? How many wow. am I going to go back to? And, you know, I looked at it and I went, oh, yeah, Mass Effect, I'm going to keep that. Halo, I'm going to keep that. And I went through and anything that I saw that I just thought, why does this exist? Did I buy this just to get achievements or something? You know, yeah, yeah. I pulled it out and with my wife's help, we went through eBay and we just listed them all and we sold them all. And I must've sold over 200 games for that mm, thing. Right. And I still have a bookshelf of them, right, you know, right. well, maybe not a bookshelf, half a bookshelf now is, on 360 games. Is there any, you kick yourself a little bit and go, well, if I had hung on that for six months, I would have tripled. No, no, I don't think so. I think it's very easy to tell the ones that you don't need. Occasionally I'll hold on to a game for uh for the laughs, you know, because right, it's just like so I went terrible. through the list and I, well, I yeah, I kept a I kept a copy of Fifty Cent Blood on the Sand. It's not <laughs> a great game, yeah. but I said, how does this exist? Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm going right. to keep this. How yeah. does this exist? And for yeah. the Wii, there was a game called Ninja Bread Man, right? Ninja, <laughs> Ninja Bread, Bread Man. Of all things, I awesome. saw it on the shelf one day and it was like eighty bucks, and I bought it because the name made me laugh. And I looked on the back <laughs> and I said, this I've never played it. I looked at it. I said, Ninja Bread Man. All right, this is dumb. I yeah. bought it. It's still sitting there in my collection because I just refused to let it go. Wow. It's probably worth $3, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's unreal. Ninja, I'm going to have to look that up, actually, because my Wii's pretty handy. Um, yeah, right. Uh, so, you, so you obviously own a bunch of, like, consoles. Um, did you have a period like with handhelds like game boys and, and psp absolutely and oh yeah. man the first mm. time i saw someone bring a game boy to school that was a oh. holy moment really <laughs> the, really the, the sun shone down wow upon this other kid who had, it had to that otherwise you couldn't see the screen <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and he had tetris yeah. and he had the original mario for the game boy yeah, yeah. and i'm like the thing kind of looks like shit, but this is cool, man. You get yeah, to yeah. excuse my language. I, no, I don't no. know if I can swear on no, this that's podcast, fine. That's but fine. that's as bad as it'll get. Um, and and I thought this is great. And I came home and I said to my dad, "Can I get a Game Boy?" And he said, "Absolutely not." Oh, no. <laughs> you've got you've got a Nintendo. Play that. Um, yeah. And and so I didn't have a portable console. You know, I'd had those Tiger Electronics games. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> and you know, I remember playing the Ninja Turtles. One of that to death but i didn't have one of those game boys until the game boy advance right and there's a good story behind me purchasing the game boy advance let's hear it let's hear it all right i got in my car and i went to to university one day Uh, on the way to university i drove past the target and i looked at it and went i've got enough money to buy a game boy so what I did instead of going to university that day is I drove to the Target. Yeah. <laughs> I bought the Game Boy and I bought two games for it. The Super Mario Brothers 2 
Right. And uh, you know, the, what they call Super Mario USA now or whatever. And I bought Castlevania. Symphony. Castlevania. No, it wasn't Symphony. It was, maybe it was Aria of, I don't know. It was, Aria of Sorrow, it was Circle maybe. of the Moon. It was Circle oh, right. of the Moon. There you go. Yeah. And it was whichever one you couldn't see because the thing wasn't backlit. Yeah, and so I, dark. And I yeah. drove... Yeah, I drove to back to uni with full intentions of doing my classes that day, and yep. instead I sat in the parking lot and I played the Game Boy for about <laughs> four hours, oh and then goodness. I turned the car back and I drove home. Oh, that's and, awesome. and I remember going, why did they put these extra sounds in the Mario Brothers thing? It's really annoying that they keep talking. But uh, I, I just loved it. And from that point on, you know, I bought all these other Game Boy games. And then when the SP came out, the, yep. the clamshell yep. one, yep. Yep. that that was a fantastic handheld yeah. uh, version. You get the 101 with the the nicer screen and yes it was so good and i still have it laying around and i often think maybe i should get it backlit you know i I like get one of the modded ones for it because i think it was backlit but it wasn't you know a modern lcd i thought what if i just put one in there and i thought "Ah, how often are you going to play it but there's some amazing games like um is it metroid zero mission Mm, Um, zero mission was i tried to play like the snes because it's like nes and then Zero Mission was a remake. And yes. then um, Fusion was there as well. Yeah. And then Fusion. Oh, then Samus Return for 3DS was the like the SNES remake sort of thing. Yes. And, and I played Zero Mission like when I sort of stuck in a few years ago. I finished it last year. And I was like, just just such a such a wonderful experience. Um, and without mm. like an LCD, there's no way I could play. Uh, a Game Boy, like I've got a bunch of really nice originals, and they kind of yep. have to sit outside, like with a lot of light. I I just don't know how people did it, and it's it's a testament to the the ergonomics, the aesthetics, the the world, the operating environment that the Game Boy had to make everybody see through its flaws and go, don't care, don't care. Yeah, and the same thing with the DS. I, when you bought that first DS, it was a chunky little device. You know, it wasn't a good-looking yeah. console. Yeah, yeah. And there wasn't a lot of games for it. You know, you're thinking, wow, I've got this stylus and stuff like that. Mm. And then you've got the PSP. I remember importing a PSP from Japan, right, to get right. it early. Yeah. And I'm playing the two side by side. And the PSP is blowing my mind with the visuals. I think it's OLED, the DS was it? is the PSP? No, the PSP was just normal LED at right. first. The Vita, right. the Vita was OLED. Right. Um, but but it still looked a lot better. You know, it was like almost like a console, like a PS between a PS1 and a PS2 kind of thing. I'm playing Ridge Racer and, yeah, and I'm yeah. like, this is amazing. About two weeks into it though, I'm going, but I'd rather play this on my TV. Mm. And I've got the DS and I'm playing these really nifty things that I can't really play anywhere else. Yeah. And I remember seeing like, you know, they're doing all that attitude marketing in the in the marketplace. I see a bus go past and it's like, you know, buy the PSP. You don't need a childlike, you know, stylus pen or whatever, you yeah, know, and stuff yeah. like that. I'm like, whatever. Mate, let's not play these these games. Let's just enjoy everything for what it is. You know, there's good games on the PSP and there's good games on the DS. And it just felt like this was before mobile phones were, you know, taking over the world. Yeah, this is yeah. great. I've got something good in my hands. Yeah. Um, and then the Vita, the Vita is a great device. The 3DS, God knows how many of those models I have laying around. Uh, you know, they put out re- revisions of that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I love handheld gaming. Yeah. I don't do enough of it nowadays. Um, obviously, the Switch is a hybrid and I love my Switch. Mm. Um, but I just have so many fond memories, especially of the DS. 
the Castlevania games on the DS, I thought were great. They were mm. brilliant. Mm. Um, oh, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head what other games. You know, they re- re-released a lot of SNES games for the for the DS, and they were great to have on the go. Yeah, the um, was it like the um, like Super Mario 3D on the DS? Yeah, that was like, on the that was on the DS. That works really well, like being able to use like the shoulders to move the camera around, and it's um it's that next step up, and it's like you're playing it on the bus, you know, or like exactly during your lunch break. Like I've played that a bit during my lunch break. It's really amazing. Yep. Yeah, you, you mentioned a little bit before about importing from Japan. Now I know um, that you've been to Japan. I asked you if you'd been once or twice, and you said you've been eight times, um, and that's freaking awesome. Um, I've anybody that listens regularly would know that i've been and i'll take any opportunity to bring it up um went for a few Mm -hmm. weeks of 2018 with my wife and daughter now i love hearing about other people's experiences in japan because i kind of i could still smell it i could still hear it a little bit (laughs) and it always helps to sort of vicariously experience other people's um times there so uh you said your last trip was cancelled due to covid but up until then you're a fairly regular visitor so Maybe just uh, give us a bit of um, understanding as to obviously gaming's a big part of why you go to Japan. Um, yep. Yeah. What 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 takes you to Japan and why do you keep going back? And I guess um, growing up, you know, gaming. A lot of the games I liked came out of Japan, and you'd hear mm. these stories about oh, if you go to Japan, there's arcades everywhere, mm. and mm. you know you can go to this one place and it's full of games and they're relatively cheap and all this mm. kind of stuff. And I always mm. thought. Growing up, you know, I liked anime and things like that because I'm a bit of a nerd. It's like, well, if I ever get the opportunity, if I ever get the opportunity to go to Japan, I'd love to go to Japan. Mm. And well, the first time I went there was actually quite funny is that my father was going there. Oh, and he okay. said, hey, you've always wanted to go to Japan, haven't you? Uh, I, I'm going with a whole bunch of my mates and they were going for some horse racing thing. Right, like, right. you know, and he goes, well, I can get you in on this trip relatively okay. cheap. How old were you then? I was actually quite old. I was I was maybe like 16, I think. Quite old, yeah. But relative to uh, I think I was 16, 17, 18, somewhere in yeah, that okay. in that range, right? Okay. Old enough to um, kind of wander around on your own and be a bit Yeah, autonomous. not to need adult supervision. He yeah, said, look, yeah. you come over, we just add you onto the package. So you get the flights and the accommodation. Right. We go off and do our thing. You go off and do your thing, right? Yeah. So I only saw him like for breakfast <laughs> every, every couple <laughs> of mornings. So good. Uh, yeah. So oh, I had man. a room to myself. A tiny little room, and I had about a week. It was a very short amount of time, right? But I didn't know any Japanese at the time, yeah. so I'm trying to cram Japanese into my brain. Just, just the simple stuff. Thank you, goodbye. You know, yeah, yeah. where's the train station? Things yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, I get over there, and they go off and do their thing. And I remember the first day going, I know I've got to go to this place called Akihabara. Yeah. You know, I've got yeah. to go there. Okay. I'm going to go down to the train station. I'm going to get myself there. And I'm just going to see. I'm going to walk around because I didn't know what I was doing. And the internet yeah. wasn't what it was now back then. Uh, when we went in 2018, you know, I used Google Translate and Google Maps and we went wherever we wanted. And if I needed to find the crayfish shop, I just typed it in. And so I said to the dude, excuse me, that. And he's like, uh-huh, follow me, buddy. Uh, yeah, so no mobile phone. No, no mobile phone, right? Yeah. I'm just there. I think I may have figured out before I left, I might have printed out some maps or something, Yeah, you know? And I go down there and luckily enough at the train station, one of the maps on the wall had English, right? right. They had the Japanese one. They had an English one. I went, 
all right, there's a number. So that must be how much it costs. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I and I figured it all out and I got there and I walked down this main street after I as soon as I get out of the train station, and there's this big building, maybe 10 stories, 12 stories high. And all it had on the front of it was whatever video game it was at the time, it's like a PlayStation 2 game yeah. or something yeah. being advertised. And I went, they advertise video games in public here? What the heck? And I'm walking down the street. Yeah. And I'm walking down the street and I'm looking left and right. And all these stores are selling games. And if they're not selling games, they're selling figurines, you know, models mm. and stuff like that. And I think I spent the entire day. I didn't see, you know, 10% of the place because I was just, I'm going into every single place and I'm looking at it. Yeah. And I, and I, re- I'm going through and I'm going, this, this, Nest cartridge is a dollar. Do yeah. I need this Nest cartridge? Yeah. Probably not, but it's a dollar. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, let's find Mega Man. Let's find Mega Man 2. Let's find yeah. Mega Man 3. Let's find Mega Man 4, you know? And at some point, um, I'm just looking around at all these things that you can get and I'm just pulling out, you know, cartridges. Yeah, look at them. And putting them in my bag and um you know a little backpack and i remember getting back to the hotel and going how much can i fit into my suitcase (laughs) because i know when i went over i i specifically packed really light yeah (laughs) because i was like i'm gonna buy stuff and i remember i walked through and they had neo geos like the aes models like 70 dollars at that time oh man nobody was buying them did you get i didn't buy one and i really regret it no no. but i but i bought a i bought a super famicom and it was like ten dollars and it looked like it was in great condition Mm. and i bought a a a japanese mega drive and that would have been like ten dollars and all this stuff and i just packed it into a suitcase Mm. and i'm throwing the controllers in the bin i'm like I don't need another controller for this. I've got controllers oh, or whatever. You know, <laughs> I just need to maximize my space, maximize yeah. the space. Yeah. And um, so I even remember, I, I knew that there was uh, a friend of mine uh, living in Japan. And um, she said, if you get over here, let me know. And I'll take you down to Osaka. We'll go to Denden Town and, yep. and we'll check out the electric town down there. Yeah, wow. And yeah, so I'd made a day trip down there and I, I remember that we spent so much time down there that I couldn't get a, a train ticket back that right. night. Last train so we had to gone. stay there that day. Yeah. yeah. Got stranded in, in Osaka. And Osaka is probably my favorite place in Japan. Right. Oh, that and Hiroshima. They're both beautiful. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, so I, I really enjoyed it from a, a gaming point of view. And that's why I went there originally. As I got older... And I made some additional trips, especially once I, uh, my wife and I got together. Yeah. You know, there was incentive to go and see things other than just video games. Although yeah. she was into that kind of stuff too. Yeah. Um, so we would go and we went to Nara. And, you know, you see the deers walking around. Yeah. You go through yeah. all the temples. And it's really just interesting how you can go from one place, which is all about high-tech stuff, and then you go, you know, one, one suburb or prefecture away. And you're just in a place full of temples. And what I really love that they do is that they theme things. So this mm. town is known for its, you know, video games. This town is known for its um, artistry and, mm. you know. Yeah. And, and everything seems to have its place. And there's so mm. much of it. And there's such a nice mix of old and new. And yep. the food is amazing. Um, yeah. Food is relatively cheap. People talk about Japan being expensive. 
I don't know where that theory came from because nah, Australia's bloody expensive. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it depends uh, on what you're looking for. I, I agree with you with that. Like each space is, seems to be very much specific about the space. Like we were at, um, I can't remember what the station we got, but it's like where Takashita Street is. And then across, it's just like this big long street of markets and stalls and stores. And I had a, a seven-year-old daughter and it's all about squishies and this and that and the other and blah, blah, blah. And then just across the street, is the Meiji Shrine. And this is like as big as the largest botanical gardens that we would have here in Australia. And you only walk like five to 600 metres in and you look up and there's no city. And for all you know, you're in the middle of this forbidden forest. Yes, you're yep. surrounded by people. And then you saw when you come back out, you walk around the corner, you're like, oh, and there's that over there. And that is 100% doing what it does. Um, yeah, that blew us the way the, away the most. It's just when they're doing something, they're doing it. Yes. They're just it's like, doing yeah. it. In uh, Ueno Park, for example, the park is beautiful. And, mm. uh, you know, at, at, during um, the Sakura Blossom time, mm. especially, they hold a lot of things there. You can go yeah. and eat and drink and have a great time. Yeah. But then if you just go continue walking on, like, you know, 500 metres beyond it, suddenly you're in a, um, a place where it's, you know, something themed completely different. Mm. Um, and yeah you can just go from place to place to place yeah. and they invest so much into whatever it is that they do there that's yeah. their their so thing went, yeah so you went mm. back several times obviously with your wife and then uh again just from your instagram it looks like you've been back with your son um <laughs> you're like you that's guys, a funny one there's a picture there of you guys watching the pikachu movie in japan and just like to take oh no the pikachu was was before we left the oh, pikachu was, was before oh, okay. we left yeah. but you did take your son to japan right because of this pictures of him like with yeah. the train conductors and and things like yeah, that yeah and, and now, he did go to a live pikachu pantomime and oh. stuff like that and one of and one of his um one of his favorite you know kids grow up and they're really little they have things that they enjoy whether it be tally tubbies or yeah, whatever yeah, right yeah yeah um my son really loved this thing called Anpan Man. And Anpan Man is this Japanese children's um, character. And his head's made of bread or something, like his baked head. Right. Anyways, it's really popular in Japan and it's been popular for like 30 years or something, right? right? And because the first time my son went to Japan was when he was six months old. Right. Uh, so we bought him these kids' things and they were Anpan Man. And so when he grew up he's like oh unpun man so yeah. when we went back the second time we found out there was an unpun man children's museum right. you know and as you're walking to this museum i think it was in yokohama yeah. you walk into and they've got these statues of all the characters life-size oh, statues man. on the streets and he's going mind. up and he's hugging them yeah. and you know he's hugging them and he's like oh that's the bad man and and, yeah. and this and you know we take him in and they do a pantomime and stuff like this yeah. and it's like I'm glad my son got to experience. He would never have figured out who Anpan Man was if he'd stayed, no, you know, no. in Australia yeah. or whatever. But six months old was the first time we sent, uh, went over there with him, and I remember losing his luggage. Oh, I left it at the airport when you we got there. Oh, you left it behind. I left it behind. So we got to the. It was two a.m. when we got in, oh, and all his food and formula and stuff was in that oh, suitcase. Did you get it back? So. He, I had to write a letter to the harbour master apologising for my, you know, disgraceful behaviour <laughs> and ask for my luggage back. <laughs> yeah, they were always going to give it, but it's a, it's a, it's this thing That's that you've got process. to go through. 
Yeah, it's a yeah. process. They give you the thing and it's formatted already to say the apology and whatnot, and you just sign right. it at the bottom. But yeah. but it's yeah, it's a it's a formal letter of apology to the harbor master mm. <laughs> for uh, doing it. But yes, I did get it back. Going back to that kind of like doing everything the right way. When we were there, we went sort of like um, Osaka, Tokyo. Then we went out of Tokyo up into Izawa, out into the snow for like three or four days. And then yep. we're catching the train back into Tokyo. And so we're waiting for the, the Shinkansen to pull up. And there's actually, as we kind of, we think we're like running a bit late. So we run up and there's a train waiting. And I'm sort of looking up and being like kind of freaked out, dad, the itinerary's on me. Come on, come on, we're going to get this train. You know, my wife, me, my daughter. And I kind of went to step across the line to enter the train. And there's this Japanese guy in the uniform, probably around 65, 70. And he had this stick and he turned on me and he's like, basically said, cross that line. I'm going to hit you with the stick. Step back now, sir. And I was like being like arrogant kind of Aussie. I'm like, dude, this is my train. I can't afford to miss it. And he's just like last warning. And I'm like, all right, we've missed our train. So I stepped back. The train took off. As soon as the train left the station, he kind of dropped his shoulders. He turned to me and he basically sort of said, how are you? How may I be of service to you? And then 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 explained to me, that is not your train, sir. Your train is on the other platform. And I (laughs) felt like the biggest jerk and was so humbled because his role in life is to ensure no one steps in front of that train. Yep. And he will do it to the best of his ability. They're very rules-based. And I, I admire that. That's, yeah, absolutely. They give dedication to things. Absolutely. I mean, we were at one point at McDonald's. I think it was like in the Takashita Street or something like that. And my wife had bought some sort of like dried apple or something, candied apple. And I had to go to the toilet. So I had ducked in. And they sat like at the most frontest table to the front door. And I went to the toilet, come back out. As I was sort of approaching the table to exit, one of the staff there, she used to come up with the arms crossed. And she's like, you know, I'm, I, I won't insult and try and do like a Japanese terrible accent, but she basically said, I'm really, really, really sorry to have to tell you this, but you cannot eat that food in our restaurant. And it'd be really great if you could just please leave. And I was like, I felt horrible and sorry that she had to say that. In yeah. Australia, be just like, dude, you can't eat that here. Can you get out? Sort of well, thing. things have changed too in Japan, I've noticed. So when I first went there and I was going through the arcades, I tried to take some pictures. Right. You know, because I was like, I've, you know, I, you know, old fashioned camera, you know, yeah, it was yeah. digital, I think, but old yeah. fashioned camera. Yeah. Like didn't have, camera. Yeah. And, and, and they'd say no photos, no yeah. photos yeah. in here. Yeah. Nowadays, you just go there and you see everyone taking photos. And I think it's because they adopted the mobile phones and they yeah. started taking photos and stuff. Yeah, that's right. I, know, I was going to say, yeah, ironic, just, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. Um, I was trying to think. I might have told this story uh, on the Play It Up podcast, but I was I rented a car right. and I was driving it around. It was a very um, nervous experience. Yeah, especially because the um, the GPS kept yelling at me in Japanese, and I had no idea what it was saying half <laughs> yeah, the time. Yeah. Um, and and a police officer pulled me over while I was driving, and yeah. I thought, Oh God, this is it. What have but I all done? All he wanted to do was yeah. tell me. Hey, up there on the left, there's some roadworks. Please go the other way. Yeah. You, you know, you don't know what you're doing here. Yeah. So I was like, thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. And you see the pictures of my son with the railway staff. Yeah. I didn't stop those railway staff. Uh, if it's the ones I'm thinking, of. they were walking to get on the Shinkansen for their thing. And they saw my son and they're like, let's put the hat on him and yeah, let's yeah. just 
Beautiful. You know, take some photos and give him a good time. And I'm like, that's great. Yeah, it's good. We had a similar sort of situation when we were, we went to Disneyland in Japan. It's quite a big, from where we were, um, it was quite a big day. It was like one train and then another train. And we were sort of doing the connection. We kind of weren't quite sure. It's like there's all lines and colors and we were doing okay. And we kind of went up to a guy in a booth and we're like, uh, we think we want to go Kia. Can you give us directions? And he kind of looked at us. He nodded. He got out, shut the booth, shut all these doors and windows and said, oh. and, he, and he's like, follow me. And we're like, oh, I hope it's not far. It's okay. He's good. It's okay. And he must have walked for like 10 minutes across those oh. little weird train platform suburbs, uh, subways where it was like shops. And it was like, it was a Westfield shopping center underground all the way. Yeah. And then he points some stairs. And he said, you need to go up those stairs. Have a great day. And I'm like, Dude, you're like in Australia. I'm not saying Australians are total jerks, <laughs> but the guy would have went, just keep going that way. You can't miss it, kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Just wanted to hug everybody. It was just, it's as close to being on another planet without actually leaving the planet. It's still your species. You still are on the same wavelength, but there's just enough difference to feel that you're having a really great adventure. Yeah, and they're so accommodating in regards to the use of English there, you know. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that lately they've also added a third language. They've added Chinese to everything as well. Because yeah, I'm guessing they get so many Chinese yeah, tourists. Yeah, that's kind of a bit of a global uh, but, thing as well, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, mm. nowadays, you know, I see vans driving around the streets with uh, yeah, <laughs> only right. Chinese uh, things on them. Yeah, so, you right. know, the times change. Yeah. But um, I guess, you know, if, you, if you're someone listening and you're going, well, I'd really like to go to Japan, but I'm nervous because, you know, I don't speak the language or anything like that, you will be fine. Yeah, you, you will be able to get around. 100%. No problems. Yeah. You just like yeah, you said, so, just, just learn some basics. Thank you, please. Uishi means delicious. Exactly. They love hearing that. Yep. You know, it's just gratitude. <laughs> um, it's yeah. Not, it's not hard. Just be yeah. respectful. Like you yeah. would be anywhere, right? Just, yeah, just be respectful like you would, like you would be. <laughs> just, just take it up a couple <laughs> of notches. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, maybe a bit more respectful than if you were in the US. But uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Or at home. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Look, I think um, anybody that's into gaming, especially retro gaming, is sort of going to have some sort of affinity for Japan. So any little information mm. you can get from someone that's been there is, I think if you're a smart traveler, you should appreciate any of this information. Um, yeah. So look, thanks so much for sharing what you've got to say about it. Um, I, I, I gather like from a little bit of YouTube, you know, I watched that, you know, buying over there is changing. I mean, you can look at, I've watched a few of the YouTubers that do kind of like walking around with the camera buying stuff. And the average Game Boy over here on on Facebook Marketplace, about a hundred bucks. And you look at what they're picking up. Once you've done the conversion, it's about a hundred bucks. So, mm. but if you're going to want to go over and buy the first three Rockmans for like five or seven bucks each, there's yeah. mountains, mountains and mountains of that stuff. It's, it's funny. It's funny. Um, last time I went, which now would be a couple of years ago because of COVID, mm. Mm. I noticed that they're very astute now that much of their market comes from overseas, mm. right? Like your super potatoes, for example, always they're knew online now. They were, they were marketing at the whales, right? You can buy yeah. online from them now. Yeah, yeah that's correct. Um, so, so you'll find that if you want, if you want rock man or you want, you know, something that, that people are looking for, those prices are fairly jacked up high nowadays, mm. right? Mm. They'd be comparable, but what you'll, 
what you'll notice is the condition they're in is much better. Absolutely. You know, they're 99% of the time in a box and that box is in pretty pristine condition. Yeah, yeah. But the the trick I think is that as long as you're not going to Akihabara or Denden Town, there are still huge bargains to be had yeah, yeah, yeah. because they're, they're advertising these prices at the Westerners, right? Mm. If you are willing to go off the beaten path, and when I say off the beaten path, I don't even mean much off the beaten path. Mm. Like if you just go get yourself a rail pass, you know, and you jump on a train for 20 minutes and instead of going to Nakano Broadway or Akihabara or something like that, you go out to one of the lesser known places mm. there'll be a book off or a hard off sitting yep. right there yep. recycle center yep. and you walk into one of those and you'll probably find it for a third of the price of what you're looking there you'd still find a saturn for ten dollars you know you'll be happy with it yeah yeah and you'll get so the I think experience you just need to, yeah 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 exactly mm. you need to be a little bit more adventurous nowadays if you um if you want to get a decent price but i mean the the selection is still there yeah. The quality of the product is still there. Like if you want to buy a Game Boy Micro, right? Buy yeah. a Game Boy Micro on eBay here. It's probably not in the best condition. Yeah. Go buy one there. You know, the screen doesn't have a scratch on it. They've probably yeah. buff, buffed it out. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. All right, Matt. Well, look, thank you um, for all that. I, I just, I'm always interested in people. Um, the gaming is just an excuse to kind of get to know people. But it, it always astounds me you know, how similar everybody's journey really is. There's this, it's a bit like a sports match. You know, there's, there's the sideline. These are the rules and everything has to be achieved within these parameters, but how everybody goes from their first game boy to, you know, six in the world, Donkey Kong, or just has every NES card or whatever it is, their own personal sort of feelings of, of um, success are within retro gaming. I think that's always the most exciting part. Um, so thank you so much. I, I always sort of give uh, my guests an opportunity to sort of um, maybe promote something they do or other people in the community that they find are really supportive. Um, I, I always find someone on Instagram that I want to promote. The person that, uh, or the, the content this time is uh, Kirko Mods. I'll put this in the show notes. It's K-U-R-K-O underscore mods. Now, um, this person describes themselves as a Banjo-Kazooie modder and N64 enthusiast. Um, it's a little kind of different to what I would normally recommend because you have like daily renders. And this just seems to be some amazing um, sort of still animations of really great N64 characters. And um, yeah, I would say just have a look at it. And it's, it's one of those things that comes up in my Instagram feed each day. Very Nintendo heavy. Um, and it just sort of look at it like, oh, that's cool. And you know, I said, you know, there's Mario Tennis and Luigi Mansion. So um, Wave Race 64. Just, yeah, go and check this, these guys out and you'll just get a little smile, you know, and there's a little smile goes a long way each day. So I'll give you the opportunity now to, if there's anybody you want to have a chat about. I, I, it's a bit of an ambush, but sometimes you just, you know, you've got someone you want to give thanks look, to. There's, or- there's, 
uh, there's so many people I'd like to give thanks to, you know, yeah. and, and the usual suspects, like, you know, my wife and my son and yeah, all yeah. that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, <of laughs> but course. mainly me. Uh, I'd like to thank me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I'll, I'll plug my, my Twitch uh, channel, if that's okay. Yeah, so absolutely. Twitch.tv slash uh, yep. Lyriel, which is L-Y-R-I-E-L-L. If you want to come and watch a guy get angry at a random number generator, please do. Swing by and say hi if you... You know, want to get into Donkey Kong? You can ask me any kind of questions you want there. There's some wonderful people in the community there. Um, Andrew Barrow, one of the greatest, um, you know, classic arcade game players of all time. You should check him out. Or uh, Justin Elliott, they're uh, both great Donkey Kong players and great people. Uh, If you're into podcasts, besides the wonderful podcast you're listening to right now, uh, Retronauts is a great podcast. It's been running for, uh, for, I don't know, maybe 10 years now in one form or another. It's almost Um, been my university listening to, uh, you know, Parish. Yeah. You just, you learn so much. They go to that next point of just understanding the whys and accepting that, Yes. yes, this wasn't always great, but without it, we don't get greatness um you know yes great really great um yeah jeremy parish is a font of knowledge and uh you know i'm not associated with that in any way shape or form but if you love video games and the history of video games and you want to watch you know someone who's played way too many block moving video games what do they call them sokoban or whatever (laughs) over the years check out his channels on youtube or uh his podcast retronauts and yeah i just Shout out to anyone who loves playing games in this community. Do your best to be a good human being. Don't gatekeep. Don't be a fanboy. Yeah. Share the love with, yeah. with everyone that you can. You're missing out <laughs> on things if you do any of those stuff. You're just missing out on two-thirds of That's right. know, other stuff. Cool. Be a good human being and share the love of video games with everyone else. That's all I got to say. Awesome. That's a really positive and fantastic note to end on, mate. And, um, yeah, so thanks for your time this weekend. And uh, uh, I, even though this will be – people will hear this in a few weeks from the day we're recording this, but um, Kong Off is a week away. And um, you're, you're good to go. There's a bit of COVID stuff going on, but you are good to go and we will see you in a week. And even if you have to sit around for two weeks afterwards or something somewhere, you're going to be there. So, look, I'll get to actually – like I said to you before, I actually – um, last Kong off, I stood behind you and watched you play, and that sounds really creepy. But so did every other person in the bar that day. So, uh, but I'll be on sure I come up and shake your hand and wish you luck and all that sort of That'd thing. That'd be great, mate. It's it would be great to to meet you properly one on one. And uh, yeah, that's gonna I'll be buy a you a time. beer. No, well, I'll buy you the beer, but let's do it that way. I, I, no, I I'm playing, don't buy me one. <laughs> I can't drink in large crowds, I just get either a bit too chatty or a bit sleepy <laughs> and taken advantage of. So, I I leave the drinking for my couch. <laughs> All Love right, it. Mate. Thank you so much. Um, I'll see you in a week and I'll see you around. Take care, mate. Yeah, you too. It's been a pleasure. Bye. Yeah, thank you. Bye.